Welcome to the Encounter YA podcast, helping young adults follow Jesus. Here are your hosts, Garrett Cars and Annika Carter. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today we interview author, social media evangelist, and pastor Rashawn Copeland. We take a look at his journey to follow Christ and how God is using that story to impact others through social media and his new book, Start Where You Are. A brief content warning, suicide is discussed in this episode. We were so blessed by Rashawn's story, and we hope that you are too. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to welcome Rashawn Copeland to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Man, I'm I'm humbled to be on the show. As I was telling you guys, I, I love what you guys are doing. I enjoy a couple episodes that you guys done in the past. Uh, I think it was y'all testimonies a bit a couple of weeks ago. It was amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's a joy to be on. I'm pumped about this, bro. Thank you. Thank you again. Yeah, we're we're so excited, and we're um, we always start the podcast off with just asking the question: If you were talking to a young adult, what is one piece of advice that you would give them? I would here. I'll just give it just one little nugget, one little sound bite. Hey, start where you are and not where you pretend to be. You know, God wants to meet you wherever you are, no matter how far you feel from Him, or, or you know how far you actually are from, or even if you think you're super close to Him and you have this perfect relationship, uh, God sees us for who we are, not who we pretend to be. So I just want you to uh, just open up your heart to Him today and. Um, he wants to transform you and change you from the inside out. That's what I would tell you. Just come to God, whatever, <laughs> with whatever you got. That's His grace great. is greater than your mm. mistakes, better than your hurts, better than your hangups, whatever it is. He, he wants to meet you where you are. That's what I would say. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So for um, people just kind of getting to know you, what you do, you're an online pastor um, and you're also a social media, a social media evangelist. Um, how do you use social media in that day-to-day life to reach people that are far away from God? Love it. Great question. So I love, love showing up online because it's where God had met me. And I didn't realize the power of social media until, you know, you're sort of on the verge, quote unquote, of suicide where I was. I was in a dark place. I was hurting, getting ready to take my own life. And, you know, God used the young lady uh, to reach me through by the means of social media. And I realized that this can be a powerful tool, uh, you know, to reach people, you know, influence for the good or the bad, the ugly or indifferent. And I was like, if I'm going to have this platform, why won't I use it for Christ? If he changed my life on the brink of suicide and gave me life when I was in the darkest moment, why won't I use this as sort of like a megaphone to share Jesus who met me where I was? So that's what sort of inspired me to use this uh, sort of social media platform and be available to people. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you find it um, difficult to get people to get engaged on social media or is it kind of since it is the the hot and current thing, is it easier that way than in person or kind of what's what's your finding with that? I love it. I see. I, I love you asked that question because I've always wrestled back and forth between the two. If I should go out and minister online in person, going out to share a message with people who don't feel like hearing it when I don't feel like preaching it, it's tough in person. And then it's a lot easier, you know, so sort of to put our fingers to the plow and, you know, share Jesus online. And I've noticed on both ends where like we're just like, we're stewards of God's message to put it out there to a broken down world. And both of them have been really effective. And I just love the fact that on the social media end, 
um, yeah, yeah, it's just about showing up and being available, sharing the gospel where it's needed most, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I've been doing. So, yeah, that's awesome. So how can we as Christians use social media as a tool to share the gospel, um, whether that be in captions or on stories or in DMs, kind of like as you were giving an example? One one thing I've discovered, uh, even at the beginning of my sort of venture with Christ, because I didn't, it always scared me. It was sort of a frightening thing to go online and share my faith uh, because I didn't necessarily know what kind of feedback I was going to get. I didn't want to be persecuted. I didn't want to sort of be talked down upon or even labeled a hypocrite because those people uh, in my past knew I had a dirty past. They knew I was messed up, jacked up, Rashawn. So what I did instead, I began to sort of use social media to share my story. And somehow God connected his story through my story. And that began to point people to a greater story, which is his story, which is the gospel. Slowly but surely, it began to open people's eyes like, dude, his life is changing. You know, I think about it like this. If someone was, you know, drowning in in the water, you know, and, you know, they would have to cry out and say, I need help. I need help in order to know, you know, they're drowned, you know, for someone to know they're drowning, the lifeguard to know they're drowning. And I think it's the same way, you know, on social media, we need to open up our hearts and and share, you know, hey, I'm broken with vulnerability, you know, with our wounds. So other people can connect to that and begin to, you know, give them away, you know, show them the way as Christ did. So I don't know. I I, I have fun doing it, though. It was so fun. I still do it to this day because I see the power of it. Yeah. Could you just share with us like a quick story of how like you have seen social media just really bring about God's kingdom? Yeah, for sure. So what's amazing about it, um, I can either share, share my story or share tons of other stories, but I'll start off with uh, connecting one, how how I used to, when I was far from God, there used to be people who would come to me that I was friends with in high school and they would ask for help. And I totally totally would give them this, dude, I didn't have any faith. So there was no, I'll pray for you. There wasn't no, I'll send you my, my pastor's number or any of that. However, I realized, you know, at one point that when my best friend had committed suicide and I basically the week leading up to a suicide was getting tons of messages. And because I was so busy with life, I would respond back to him on Facebook. And what I would do is be like, dude, you know, this small sentiments like, dude, you're going to make it and this and that don't give up little things like that. And then I would minimize the screen. He would keep writing me Mm. and I wouldn't know what to say. I didn't have no hope to point him to because the hope, what great, the the glory of God, the hope of the glory wasn't inside of me. I didn't know who to point to. Mm. Uh, So at the end of the day, he took his life. And then I could remember thinking like, why am I alive? Like, why am I here? I began to question that. And I believe that's when God started. He started uh, showing me my selfishness and how bad I truly needed him. And from there, I don't know. He just sort of opened up my eyes later when I was in that same predicament. Oh. I was about to commit suicide. I probably went way off on a tangent. No, that's, no, that's great. No, that's great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's great. I think just, I think that we all have that desire uh, to be uh, present on social media and use it as a yeah. way of, you know, like we don't just want to keep scrolling, but use it as a tool to really further God's 
you know, kingdom on earth. And so so just giving some practical tips, I think is super helpful. And and I think it's so easy to uh, be able to message somebody or talk to somebody online, just like you're saying. And so just being present, fully present in those conversations, I think is really amazing. Mm -hmm. So true. I know you mentioned kind of that fear of being appear, like appearing like a hypocrite. And I think yeah. personally, that's definitely the biggest thing that I find in like being hesitant about what I share is because I don't want my friends to ever feel as though I just don't live what I am speaking about or what I love. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that I think is such a such a major theme on social media, especially for Christians. And so how yeah. would you say um, you encourage others and for yourself, how do love you that. stay authentic on social media so and, and vulnerable? I love that. Absolutely love that. I think Paul said something down these lines, but also a preacher that I love so much that sort of discipled me at the beginning of my walk with Christ. But uh, basically it comes from this this principle, this standpoint, uh, preach out of your weakness and you'll never run out of material to preach from. (laughs) So if you're always coming, you know, first and foremost, like, dude, I'm broken. Like I'm, I'm hurting. If you preach out of your humility, People have to connect with that. If you tell and are you're open and vulnerable about what you've been through and you confess like your brokenness, I mean, at the end of the day, they can't point fingers at you, you know? And then I think from there, it also, you know, gives God more glory whenever we allow our brokenness, you know, to be made beautiful through through Jesus and what the cross did for us. So I think that's where the power comes in and our weakness and he shows up mighty in that. So, and, and I think I would encourage anyone underneath the sound of my voice, like, Hey, be open, be transparent about your wounds. Even Jesus was, you remember when he resurrected, he was about to ascend, but he went into, he walked through the wall. He was with Thomas. He was like, he showed him his wounds. And he not only showed him his wounds, he allowed him to fill his wounds. We should be felt as well. Our wounds should be felt as well. And I think that's so important for each and every person who, who's a brother or sister in Christ walking after him in this life. So, Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Hey, we kind of wanted to transition a little bit away from the social media conversation okay. and uh, start uh, a conversation about your book, which will uh, either be very close to being out or will be out whenever this podcast airs. And it's awesome. called um, Start Where You Are. It's going to be coming out in September, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah sure. And uh, could you tell us just a little bit more about it? Definitely. Uh, thanks for asking. And, you know, I was that guy so scared about, you know, putting my finger back on a pen or on a keyboard, anything like that. Because when I was in the fourth grade, uh, I can vividly remember my uh, school teacher telling me to never pick up a pen and write again. And they're wow. like, you know, that it, I clenched my teeth, my heart dropped to the bottom of my stomach. And I was like, it hurt bad because everyone else, she didn't say anything to them in the class. So, it was a very vulnerable, like vulnerable uh, thing that I did was like sort of write this book. And I knew God was landed on my heart. Uh, thankfully, through Christ, he he shows us our power through him. And I, I wrote this book, Start Where You Are, basically birthed out of a place of what I've seen in scripture, where it would be all these stories of God meeting people right in their mess, you know, as dirty and filthy and wretched, many people were throughout the scriptures, uh, God would miraculously meet them there. 
Uh, and he, not only that, the miracle was not that he kept them there, but he loved them through what they were going through, their mess, and he let them out of it. And it, it ranged true in my life because whenever I was in high school, and I shared this story in the book, I was uh, gunned down, shot down, left for dead. And literally, I was out in Lawrence, Kansas. I think you guys, are you from, where are you guys from? We're close, kind of close to that area. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool, We're west cool. Of there. Yeah. Awesome. Love that. Um, well, I went to the University of Kansas, was playing football there. But as I was in high school trying to figure it all out, I was dating this girl and I was trying to defend the honor of this girl at a park one night. And unbe- unbeknown to me, her ex-boyfriend pulled up and it was a lot of gang members in this car and they jump out. It was five guys. And I ain't talk about burgers. I don't know if y'all know about five <laughs> guys, <laughs> but they were walking towards us. And uh, I, I say, stay in the car, stay in the car, don't move. Uh, and I jump out the car fearfully, but pridefully. And I'm walking towards them. They're walking towards me. And one of them pulls out a pistol. I turn it, I run, I slip and I fall. He stand up, he stands over me. Boom, boom, two gunshots. And I was shot, shot down and the guy runs off. Uh, they jump in the van, they pill out. I run back to the car. I dive because I'm thinking at this point they were going to try to finish me, do, 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 and shoot me up. But needless to say, by the grace of God, they didn't. So I jump off to the passenger side of the car. The door is wide open on the passenger side. I look in, the girl's gone. It's, it's pitch black at night. Dark is all outdoor. It's crazy. It, it was a cold cold uh, night, but the warm blood was all over the ground as I'm laying there crying out to, to God. The God I didn't know, but somehow he reminded me that he knew me in that moment, if you know what I mean. But here's one thing that I could remember and I'll never forget. Um, my coaches weren't around. My dad wasn't around. You know, my friends weren't around. The girl wasn't around. No one who had said they loved me, they wanted to be with me or my friends, nobody was around, but, but here's what God said. He was with me. He was with me in that moment. And I remember, uh, just crying and I was so by the grace of God, he showed up. He heard my cry. Like David said in the book of Psalms, uh, uh, and he, he, uh, brought a man, which I was call an angel today. And he, he grabbed me and threw me in his pickup truck, took me to the emergency room. And I, I, he spared my life that night. I was supposed to have been dead. The nurses, the doctors had said, I lost so much blood. Mm. Uh, but by the blood, come on now, we're mm. by his stripes, <laughs> we're healed. But he healed me uh, not only physically, but spiritually. And he, he got my, he set my foot back on a rock, like David was saying, <laughs> gave me a firm place to stand. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like you just kind of mentioned it, but it really seems like this book is a story of your life as well as how God can help other people start where they are. And it says, yeah. I, I've been kind of noticing, but it says you were formerly a hype man for yeah. Soldier Boy and yeah. uh, done quite a bit of other stuff. And now you're a pastor and evangelist. And um, how yeah. did God bring you from that point to where you are now? And I know you said there was a, a girl who reached out to you. Could we hear just a yeah. little bit more about how God started where you are and got you to where you are now. Amen, brother. Uh, So again, it was a lot of cups of suffering, but somehow, you know, through all the suffering, God displayed his goodness uh, in many different ways through people that would come. It was always, he was always sending people uh, that would just speak into my life. Even when I was an army ROTC cadet uh, serving, you know, as a cadet and I commissioned as army officer, 
there was he, he would send people within that sort of military sphere and, and they would speak into my life, influence me for Christ, leadership. But then fast forward, I was like, okay, I see my cousin. He's out in LA doing big things. He was on this, uh, he was on this amazing TV show called American Reunion. It was American Pie, the second part of it. And I was like, he was the only black guy on that show too. I was like, man, I want to go out there and do big <laughs> things like that. Why am I over here slaving away, working for the government? I love the government. I love the United States of military. So don't, don't, I'm a vet. So I love the vets. But I was like, why am I clocking in every day at five in the morning doing PT, working all restlessly all the way till almost 11 o'clock at night and not, you know, enjoying my life. So needless to say, I was like, uh, comparison and discontentment led me to almost AWOL out the military until, you know, I, I realized that would be really dumb to do because you can go to prison for that. And there can be so many other things that happen. But I ended up saying uh, to my commander, can I sign out uh, at least for a little while temporarily. Uh, and I ended up going out to Los Angeles and I had this amazing opportunity to become uh, a hype man for Soldier Boy eventually. First, I was a big Viner. I was doing really cool things on Vine, growing my platform. Y'all mm-hmm. remember Vine? Oh, yeah. Yes. Vine. <laughs> big I rip. Do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, so that was some fun stuff. We just aged then, ourselves. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I ended up living a crazy lifestyle. I was out there again. Uh, I was sleeping around, having sex out of marriage, partying up liquor. I was a hedonist. Anything that would satisfy me in the moment, I'm good. I'll do it. Let's go, bro. And, uh, and I was all about that life, but needless to say, uh, I ended up becoming a hype man for soldier boy. I did a little bit of work with him and other artists, uh, there, but whenever I started becoming, you know, more quote unquote famous and I had more stuff, I had, it wasn't even really famous, but it felt like that. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. But um, whenever, you know, you're, you're sitting in the house in the valley, I mean, you're looking at the palm trees every morning and, you know, even depression sort of looks, you know, beautiful in, mm. in light of a sunny California morning at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to figure out life, I was wrestling with that. but it all came down to one day I'm looking outside at the G wagon, the house is, I mean, full of stuff, but I'm empty on the inside. And the girl that I was dating that was at U- USC, uh, that I love so much. I was so in love with her. Uh, she was in law school. I thought that was going to be my wife, this and that. But, um, she found out I was sleeping around with a girl who was in the porn industry. Mm. And this is crazy. I'm I'm just cutting raw. Y'all can yeah, cut man, that out. No. Know, but no. I just have to be really real about this because I know there's someone out there who thinks, you know, their mess is too messy for God, but God, he comes into our mess. He doesn't escape it. And I'm I'm completely free from that stuff. So needless to say, she found out. So literally she stripped away. Somehow my friends began to strip away from me and I'm all alone. There's no one who is like co-signing Rashawn anymore. So Mm. I knew I had that pistol in the other room. So Mm. what I did is I went down the hall, I grabbed the gun and I went back to my room this night and I, I threw my knees on the floor, got on my knees, put the pistol in my mouth. At this point, I'm shaking. My heart's beating out of my chest and I'm confused. There's so much chaos. I'm anxious, depressed. And as I'm shaking, I'm thinking of two things. If I pull this trigger, number one, am I ready to meet, yes, my love, a loving God, 
but a holy and just and righteous God and be, stand before him apart from Christ. Like, I, I mean, I didn't know him and stand before his righteousness. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready for this. That was the first thing. I don't want to go to hell because I've heard plenty of sermons preached about going to hell. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that I felt sort of vicariously saved me in a way. <laughs> but <laughs> number two, number two, and I, and I and I'll get to the goodness of God. And But number two is, I already had experienced, you know, the havoc that a bullet wrecks on a human body. Mm. And I didn't want to go through that again if I had lived through it. Yeah. Well, that was the second thing. So in between sort of that uh, dichotomy, I was like, okay, God, you have to hear me. So I cried out to him. I, I mean, with all my heart, with a godly sorrow this time, it wasn't a worldly sorrow. Like, God, I'm sorry. I need you. I'm done. I'm done with people. I'm done with everything. Lord, hear my cry. And uh, all of a sudden, a phone bling, sort of like it just happened. You heard that <laughs> bling. Uh, but the phone lit up and it was um, the a notification from Facebook. I swipe right. And then it was this message from the only Christian girl I had followed. My brother was an athlete at Baylor University, and I had met this Christian girl when I went down there to visit him for a football game. And she was the only Christian girl I was connected with on Facebook, but she had wrote a post and it was said this, oh, how wide, how deep, how Mm. vast the love of God is and nothing in all creation can separate us from this love that's found in Christ Jesus. And when I was reading and reading, I was weeping and weeping. My heart began to soften. I read it like 20 times until like there, Rashad didn't even, if it didn't even feel like I exist no more, it felt Mm. like just a hundred percent, the presence of God fell on me that night. And uh, at that moment, I was like, whatever it looks like to be with you and to live for you, I want to do it. So I went to sleep and I'm getting close to the end. I'm sorry. I'm going to no, leave. man. But I'm getting close to the end of um, uh, of this time where I'm crying out. I fall asleep. And when I fall asleep, crazy story, and I won't tell it all, but I had an OBE. It's called an out-of-body experience. My, my, my soul had left my body that night. It sounds crazy. You can look in the book of Job. It talks about a little bit of this. But I'm telling you, it was a crazy thing. Uh, God had to wake me up in a in a unique, I felt crazy way. I don't know. Or else I probably wanted to listen. But when he sh- showed me that, basically, we are uh, uh, spiritual beings housed in a body, like literally this is going back to the dirt. You know, we're fleshly being our we're spiritual beings housed in a temple of flesh. Like, and then it became real to me that like the eternal, more spiritual side of things are real. Uh, so I ran over, turned on the light, you know, scared out of my mind. You know, no one goes from the brink of suicide to rosy and rainbows in a single moment. Mm-hmm. Even if God's showing you things, it's some scary stuff. I mean, it's scary when, because I, I encountered the holy God, but he was loving too, because he hurt me, right? He hears us and he loves us. And needless to say, I run back over, I put the cover over my head. And at this moment, I'm like, still crying, but I'm saying, God, you know, what's next? What do you want me to do? And I'm sitting there for like maybe two, two hours wrestling with God, like Jacob a bit. And I remember him prompting me, you know, about four in the morning to look underneath the bed. I throw the covers off and I go underneath the bed. I pull out this suitcase I had never seen before. And I don't know if I've I mentioned, but this house that I was living in was basically a house that was belonged to my, uh, agent and my agent put me in that house. So it wasn't a house that I own. 
and he would have different talents, different artists come through this place. And as I pull out this suitcase, um, it's probably one of those artists' suitcase. I open it up and whoo, it swaps open, and then uh, there goes clothes, a lot of dirty clothes, stinky clothes too. I was like, ah. <laughs> but I see this Bible on the top, mm-hmm. this black book. Come on now, the V-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand <laughs> upon the word of God. Yes, the V-I-B-L-E. And when I opened up the book, as I read it, it began to read me. I went to these red letters and it was the words of Jesus, which I didn't know much at the time. I didn't even know it was the words of Jesus. But it said this. Oh, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but yet lose his soul? He that wants to keep his life must lose it. But he that loses his life for my namesake shall gain it. And I just started reading that over and over. And I it sort of it broke me at that point. I was like, wow. And at that point I'd left everything, you know, about a couple hours later after I kept reading and stuff. And I went to the bus stop near my home, jumped on the city bus with the Bible in my hand. Matter of fact, the Bible's the number one stolen book in the world. You know that? And I stole it that day. (laughs) I don't know whose Bible it was, but I ended up, yeah, taking the city bus downtown and that the word of God, I just grasped it and read it and embraced it and enjoyed it and savored it. And I saw my savior written all through that book and it changed me for drastically over the, over the next course of yeah, years. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, man. That really means definitely means a lot to us. Um, in your book, it says that you encourage the reader to accept themselves as a glorious work in progress a beloved yeah. child in whom God delights. How do we start to see ourselves that way? I love it. I would go back to the words of Jesus in John eight thirty two, and I would just tell you to cling to these words where he says, uh, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. And that truth is Jesus. And as we get to, you know, study and, and, and you know, learn from him and as not as only rabbi, but as our Lord and savior, I mean, he begins to change us and we'll begin to begin to know more about who he is, but who we are in him. And I think that's the where the power is, guys, when we really realize that like he that knew no sin became sin so that we may become the righteousness of God mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. Like it's no more of us anymore. We have we no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in us. And that changes everything. Perfection dwells inside of us and not whoo that changes everything that gives us a hope not only for the future but for right now today yeah you know and i want to encourage someone out there who's listening in you you've been made a, a new in christ when you you know repent of your sins turn and place your faith in him and live for him and follow him yeah yeah he changes yeah. us yeah that's amazing hey i just feel like we're supposed to um take a moment and uh-huh. Maybe you could, if there's somebody who's listening who isn't a follower of Jesus, could you just yeah. help them pray and kind of like you, yeah. you know, would you just help lead them in a prayer to accept Christ as their Definitely. Savior? Definitely. Okay. So, Father God, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for who you are. Thank you for your beauty, for your majesty, Lord, for meeting us, not where we pretend to be, but where we actually are for who we actually are apart from you, broken and sinful in need of a Savior, Lord. We thank you for demonstrating your love on us all while we were sinners. Christ died for us on a cross 
that we deserved. He lived the life we could we couldn't live and he died to death. We deserve to die. Lord, help us to turn from our own sins, turn from the stuff that we enjoy a lot at times. We love having fun. We love, you know, doing all the wrong things at time, but God, you want to take our dirty desires and turn our hearts to you so we can delight in you. So we give our hearts and our minds, our souls, everything that we are, the first and the greatest commandment to you, God. He said, whoever believes in the son will be set free and will be free indeed. So we, we, we just pray, Lord, that anyone listening underneath the sound of my voice who doesn't quite have a relationship with you will come to the saving knowledge of your son, Jesus, and place their faith in you. And Lord, you said if they believe uh, that you not only died on the cross, but you rose again on the third day with all power in your hands, they will be saved. And it's that simple, God, not a church attendance, not how perfect we pretend to be, not how many people, you know, sort of, you know, like us or any of that. But God, us coming to you for who we, for who you are and embracing that. We give you the praise and glory for all you're doing in our life. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Hey, man. Thanks for doing that. Awesome, bro. Definitely. Well, we so appreciate you being here with us and we want to kind of take a little bit of time if people want to keep up with you, with your book launch, um, and then everything that you do on social media, is there a way that we can follow you? And then also perhaps an email if anyone wants to reach out and talk to you personally. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again so much. And uh, I would say if you want to reach out to me, Rashawn Copeland, anywhere on social media, uh, and book start where you are book.com or you can buy it anywhere books are sold. And lastly, yeah, email. So you can matter of fact, just reach out to me even through my personal email, hypesir inspires at gmail.com. And yeah, reach out anytime. I would love to connect with you, pray for you personally. Uh, and anything I can do to serve. And even you guys, I would love to connect more and get to know more about you guys because I, I just love what God's doing through y'all in the mm, podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Well, thank you, Rashawn. And um, thank you all our listeners for joining us today. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Encounter YA podcast. Be sure to check out Rashawn's book, Start Where You Are, which is out now. Join us next week to hear from another author, Daniel Hill, about ethnicity and racial division. Um, there's this kind of uncomfortable starting point where we have to say, holy cow, it's actually possible that there's a whole reality happening around me that is of the highest importance to Jesus, and I've just not thought about it at all. Um, I think that's a very different starting point than saying, oh, you know, it's I need to be a little more socially conscious and learn the lingo and stuff like that. So I need to kind of dabble with this a little bit to figure out, you know, that that's just not going to get you anywhere. Right? Well, yeah. I think until somebody I think until somebody comes to the point that they see and this is how I see it. and I believe it's a theological way to see it until you see the system of race as a fundamental threat and assault to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't think you're going to take you with the level of seriousness that needs to be there. And so. To say it positively, what you do say that you can say, man, I don't even know where to begin, but if Jesus doesn't like this thing, then I don't like this thing. And if Jesus is trying to dismantle this thing, then I need to be dismantling this thing. And if, th- if this thing's affecting my identity in Christ, as I've come to understand that, and that's what I need to be living from, then I need to start, right? Like there, there, you just almost can't not right. start taking it on once you have that level of kind of internal shifting happening, I believe. Yeah.